what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am a co-director, co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. With me is Chris Fry, a co-director and co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival. As you can probably tell, we we are co's together. So, Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing well. We have entered one of my favorite seasons of the year. No? Post-Thanksgiving? Not Thanksgiving. No. Not even Christmas. We've entered awards movie time where we start to get a deluge of movies and usually most of them good, of course, not all. And uh, it's exciting because then we have really interesting movies to talk about here on the show. So we do, we, we do. Absolutely. Yes. My house, I'm sure like yours, Chris, uh, every day I come home, there are more screeners to watch Yes, coming in the mail Yes, uh, on a regular basis. And uh, all that does is remind me of how I need more time to watch movies. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out how to do that. But, uh, sure. but you're right. We do have quite a few that, you know, uh, after the last couple of years where the award season's been a little more up and down as far as like release schedules for films, I do feel like this season we've kind of started to see everybody being trying to get back on the schedule of we're going to put out our really, really good, interesting stuff here at the end of the year uh, to try to be award contenders. And that's what we're seeing right now. You know, I feel like last year was a strange year, duh. Mm-hmm. And we had the Oscars happen and Nomadland won, you know, some things. And I think it was just kind of a weird year for the Oscar ceremony. And something small like Minari got Best Supporting Actress. Like, I feel like it was the year for independent cinema to shine because a lot of bigger releases pushed. Mm-hmm. And now, it's just like there's so many movies out there. I feel like the Oscars this year are going to be really tough. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> because there's going to be so many things contending. So. And that may be part of the conversation we have about the two films we review today is whether or not they're even going to be in contention given so much quality it's a crowded uh, film field. out there right yeah. now. So we are going to be reviewing two films in this episode. Um, we'll be reviewing the film King Richard about the uh, Williams sisters and their father, Richard Williams. Then we'll be discussing the film Tick, Tick, Boom, which is about the uh, uh, composer, writer, Jonathan Larson, and his efforts to bring a play to stage. And uh, then we're going to move on to a couple of movie news items. Each of us have a a news item to discuss. Mine's going to be a very, let's talk about December 2021, the month we just started as we record this, and the film's coming up this month. What do we have on tap? And then Chris will share a news item to discuss as well, which I can't wait to hear what it is. <laughs> and then we'll cap off the show with a recommendation that each of us provide of a film we think is worth your time checking out if um, you are looking for something to watch over the holiday uh, coming holiday season. So, Chris, let's get started with our first review, which is the film starring Will Smith. It is a uh, dramatic interpretation of the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena Williams, tennis um tennis celebrities, uh, well-known, extremely great athletes, and the story of their father, 
Richard in the film King Richard. What's going on? Everybody okay? They got a call, said there was trouble in the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you all need to look around. It's a little wet for practice, don't you think? Don't the girls have schoolwork to do? They do their homework. Tundi's first in her class. Lynn and Isha are too. Now I don't even mind you saying we hard on these kids. You know why? Because we are. That's our job, to keep them off these streets. You want to check on the kids? Let's check on the kids. We got future doctors and lawyers, plus a couple tennis stars in this house. The chances of achieving the kind of success that you're talking about is just very, very unlikely. Okay, you're making a mistake, but I'm going to let you make it. Watch me hit a few balls. All right. So tell me your names again. I'm Venus. I'm Serena. In the film King Richard, we have Will Smith, starring role as Richard Williams, uh, a man very determined to have his two daughters, Venus and Serena, written into the history books. Uh, He trains them on tennis courts in their town of Compton, shaping their adamant commitment and intense intuition towards the sport, uh, and also has a plan laid out for where he sees both girls going in their careers. But he has to take some steps to get them on that path, and it may mean leaving Compton and getting connected with some some high-profile coaches that he feel like are going to help his daughters continue down their path. So, Chris, with King Richard, we obviously have a kind of biographical film. It's a true story. Richard Williams is a true person. Venus and Serena Williams are obviously true people. We know where the story ends, which is always an interesting thing when you look at a biography film, is that when you explore a character or someone in history that you maybe don't know much about, you are kind of wondering when watching the film, uh, where's it going to end up? Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say, before I even get to my part of the review, this is not a film that leaves you questioning where it's going to end up. It, <laughs> right. Pretty much you know where it's going to end up. The question is, is the journey to get to that very, very clear and already predicted ending, is it worth the, the, the story that we got? That's my question to you. Was this a worthwhile story and film to watch, even though we know ultimately where it was going to end up? I think so for me, Mm -hmm. um, I have watched tennis when I was like growing up in high school and stuff. Like my era was more like the Andre Agassi type stuff. So I I remember, you know, I used to watch tennis, so I know enough about it to know like how you play the game. But outside that, and I've, I am aware of Venus and Serena Williams. Like I've, you know, I've, I know of them. I know they were really successful, but what I didn't know was any of their backstory. Okay. And specifically the whole, which you kind of mentioned the role their father played in kind of, you know, molding their career. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this was worthwhile to watch because I kind of learned, you know, more of their backstory. It was satisfying though, in that you don't continue, which we've complained about before, whenever you do a biopic, they didn't go all the way up until present day and showing sure. your struggles. And Cause you know, Serena Williams has been in the news like within the past two years or so, you know, and for having like a kind of a blow up at one match or something like it doesn't go through all that drama. No, it starts off when they're young kids and it goes up until a certain point early and, and then it, it ceases. And so that was, so I didn't, that was kind of a surprise as I didn't really know where it was going to end up. I figured okay. since I hadn't heard the news of so-and-so playing Serena Williams, as like an older person, like, you know, you saw that I figured they probably weren't going to go that far, but I didn't, I didn't know. Sure. Um, so that was kind of unique and getting to know 
like the figure of their father um, was, was interesting. And I, I have to say too, this is a kind of a unique, I mean, yes, sure. There are certain points that they hit, you know, typical points they hit in a biopic like this. That's kind of a feel good kind of, you know, inspirational story mm-hmm. um, because the Williams family did not start out with a lot. And yeah. obviously now sure. they have, you know, they have a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting because I don't think right off the top of my head, I can't think of another example, like a biopic where it is named after the person that is not famous. Mm-hmm. And the key focus is that person. So it's like, I, you know, I just can't think like Johnny Cash or any of the music biopics. They don't say like, it's the person's like Brian Wilson. Like, you know, they, they name it. The central figures are the people that everybody knows that there are household names. And this one, so that was kind of a unique kind of, getting us into mm-hmm. this film instead of it being called like Venus and Serena or something right. like that. Sure. It, they didn't do that. Interesting. Ultimately I am left to question. I don't feel like, because obviously the whole time you're interested in the young girls learning mm-hmm. how to play tennis. And I was, I'm still a little curious as far as who Richard Williams really is yeah. um, because they, they just barely touch on mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but they don't really delve too deep. So but overall, it was an interesting film. I did learn a lot, which in biopics, Good. even though, yes, I know they're going to play tennis. I know they didn't turn out to be like NBA, WNBA stars. Like, you mm-hmm. know, so they didn't, you know, you know certain. But with that knowledge, it was still entertaining enough for me. But I do Good. have some questions. What was your experience with it? Um, yeah, mine's overall positive. Okay. Um, I did know more about the story. Okay. So I actually knew who Richard Williams was. Okay. And watching the the Williams sisters play tennis, he's always been kind of someone you've seen courtside, and there's always been commentators kind of giving you a little background about how uh, how influential he has been on guiding his his daughter's path and helping them achieve the the, the level of of celebrity and uh, acclaim that they got. So that that was already kind of you knew I was that. already in the wheelhouse for that. I okay. knew a lot about that. Um, well, yeah, so can I ask you because yeah. I I didn't know that background. Mm-hmm. I have my thoughts on which, you know, a lot of buzz around this film has been around Will Smith Mm -hmm. and his performance. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say this is the best thing he's done since Ali, which, you know, had Oscar buzz as well. You know what he's basing his performance off of a little bit because you you were familiar with the person. True. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah on how you thought Will Smith did portraying this person who I had no idea. Who well, was. I'll tell you this. I don't ever look at someone as an actor, whether or not they resemble gotcha. or even exhibit exact mannerisms. I'm more interested in like what they bring to the role to kind of make this person very, to help us understand this person more. Sure. I thought Will Smith was great. Okay. I, I really did. I, I kind of echo the thoughts. I think it's one of the best things I've seen him do. Okay. Um, I honestly can't. I, I never saw Ali, so I, I can't even comment on wow, that. Yeah, Alan. But um, <laughs> I, I thought he was good in Pursuit of Happiness many okay. years ago. I think he got some nominations for that. Possibly it might have been like one time. He, a couple times he got nominated. I, I, this is this was really good. He, Will Smith is very very good in this role. I it's the kind of role where I forgot it was Will Smith after you know the first twenty minutes. So that's good. Um, and I will say, even though I knew the TV commentator background info on Richard gotcha. Williams. This gave me a lot more information. And I like you, I like the fact that the film was really him. Hmm. And yes, it's tangentially how it affected his daughters and what it allowed them to be on the path to be. But ultimately the film's about him. 
and his sacrifices and his commitment level and his his desires. And I think there's a few lines that they're probably ones you see in the trailer. They're probably the ones that make the movie quotes from it, <laughs> but they work. And it's this idea of he 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 knows where his status is in life. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever cared about Richard Williams. Right. And he knows that's going to be probably the case, but he's going to make damn sure people know who his daughters are. And I'm like, that summed up for me kind of what this movie's about. Is someone who's willing to take the backseat, well, to a point. I'm going to kind of give a caveat about this. <laughs> okay. I think for the majority of the film, this is a, a story of someone who's willing to kind of be on the sidelines mm-hmm. to, and doing whatever he can do to help his daughters get the the level of success that he knows they're capable of having. Um. So overall, it was good. As a factual telling of the Richard Williams story and the impact it had on Venus and Serena, yes, I thought it was a very engaging film. As a piece of entertainment, it's a little tough if you knew, if you already know some of the the story, because again, it didn't really shed any new light on a lot of things. It didn't really help me understand any more than I thought a TV commentator giving me a a two-minute synopsis of Richard Williams gave me. Okay. the thing where I think the film did have a fault, at least in my, my mind, is it skirted right up to the point of showing that there might be some negative qualities about Mr. Williams. And it just started to hint. It just started to say, I'm going to touch that stove just a little bit. But no, no, I still want this to be a positive film about him overall. So we're going to back away from that. Um, there's a moment late in the film where he's being interviewed by a news program and they start to ask him questions about some very interesting decisions he's made or interesting things he's said publicly. And then the film just says, Nope, Nope. Okay. We've, we've broached that subject, but we don't want to go down that path. We're going to back up and we want this to be very positive. Now the Williams sisters are executive producers on the film. That should go ahead and be said that, you know, obviously the film is not going to be an expose of Richard Williams in any way trying to paint him in a bad light. I understand that. That was the intention of the film. But it it did make the character start to feel like there was some more interesting things to develop there, and the film had no interest in going there. So that was a little disappointing that they touched on it and then backed away. Uh, there's a comment about he made some claims about he was going to buy Rockefeller Center, which, you know, is just... Sounds like just kind of one of those braggadocio claims you make. Sure. Um, and up to that point, Richard Williams, I didn't get the impression he was doing this for his own glory, his own status. But you start to get hints that maybe he was. And even some people in the film are even commenting that, are you in this just for yourself? The film just doesn't really take any effort to explore that, to see if there really is anything interesting there to to, to go after. And it's more content on just ending on a, this is who he is and look at what great stuff he did for his daughters. And if that's, if that's the film, that's the film. And I'm fine with that. But uh, it was just a little disappointing that they had some other interesting opportunity to mine some, some, some content that might've made it a little more interesting a film, but um, overall they, they opted not to. And uh, as it is now as a fine serviceable piece of entertainment, I enjoyed it. I did have a good time with it, but I don't feel like I really walked away with a lot more of interest. So yeah, I I had the same. So it was a little more, sounds like to me, for me, it was a little more entertaining because I didn't know kind of Mm -hmm. some of the background, but like you mentioned, I was left with some nagging questions about the way certain things like, 
at first I didn't understand, you know, he's Venus and Serena are his children with his wife, who is um, Brandy Williams, who's played by, I'm going to mispronounce her first name, mm-hmm. Anjanae Ellis. Okay. Um, and then she has three, I believe, three children from a previous marriage. Correct. And that was confusing to me because I was like, wait, because I kind of didn't understand with the film, you know, it kind of starts off. He's like, I'm going to, you know, Venus and Serena are penis. He puts all his focus on them. And I was like, wait, you have five total kids. Yeah. Why is it? So, but they just, I guess kind of in a way, they just assumed that I knew that. You know, well, there's I a didn't. little bit of that. I think they tried to to make some illusions that the other three were on other types of career paths and they all did. kind of being successful. But you're right, Richard was pretty much well, and they I'm focus on these two, right? And the way they just kind of gave him a pass for doing that. And then there's a point in the film where Serena is kind of second fiddle, and yeah. Venus goes off, and then they give him kind of a pass on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. Which I, I, was I, saying, I, I actually think that was pretty accurate. I mean, well, I do and I'm think, not saying think, it's not know, accurate. Yeah. I wish I would have seen some of the little, like, how does this make Serena feel? Oh. <laughs> and we got a little bit of got that. Bit. We got a little bit. But there again, it's kind of like, like you're saying, it's like the hot stove. You see them start to reach their hand yeah. toward it, and then they pull back. Yeah. And for me, if, if the film is really going to be about showing this true portrait of Richard Williams, faults and all, mm-hmm. Then I want, and I don't, nobody can deny the greatness that his daughters have achieved and how he had a role in it. But instead of just making it this perfect portrait, yeah. give it some realistic shape. Give it some rough edges, which is realistic. And, and uh, I, I wished, I wish we would have had a little more of that because then it just comes off as, it, yeah, it just comes off as not being as good as it, as it could have been. But it, I don't want to call it a puff piece because, you know, but that's a little too strong. I mean, I think there was enough mentioning and I mean, the fact that they had um, social services basically called on them right. by a neighbor, right. which again, I think if this was a completely, let's just be as glowing as possible. You don't even put that question out there sure. about was he being too hard on these kids? Right. Was he having them practice in the rain and doing things and sacrificing anything else? But I think that, again, the film was, was, was ready to address that and addressed it in a way that I don't feel like the film was a complete puff piece. I do feel like it was tried to show some realism in, along the way. Just like I said, it's just disappointing that it skirted on so many areas where it could have gotten a little more interesting uh, to really let us know who this person truly was. Uh, instead, it gave us more of the sanitized version that still ended up very positive everywhere. Um, I, I mentioned, and I mispronounced her name, Anjanu, Anjanu, and Jane, I don't, I have no idea. Ellis yeah. is her last yeah, name. Yeah. Miss Ellis. Um, yeah, Miss Ellis. Um, I, what I was surprised about is, you know, Will Smith's the bigger name. And he's gotten a lot of buzz around his portrayal, which, you know, he very well could get nominated for his portrayal of Richard Williams. Um, and I thought it was like you. I, I think it was good. Um, who really surprised me was Miss Ellis and her portrayal of Brandy Williams yeah. because oh, I didn't really recognize her. And then she not only is there, but instead of just playing this kind of meek wife or what, no, she goes toe to toe with Will Smith and holds his feet to the fire on a couple of things. Oh, yeah. And actually, just the mere dynamic of Richard Williams and Brandy Williams, I wish would have been kind of delved. I wish she would have gotten a little more screen time because she's kind of the one sometimes holding his feet to the fire and is like, no, you will not do that. That is not cool. And I wish there could have been a little bit more exploration of that dynamic. But that said, I thought her performance was awesome. 
I hope maybe she can get a Best Supporting Actress nod. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Probably I mean, not. She was good. But she was I, good. I hope so. I'll call out, too. I thought um, I thought acting overall was good. I think Will Smith, to me, was a standout. Sure. I do think Miss Ellis was also very good as his wife, Brandy. I thought John Bernthal as Rick Mushy <laughs> was really fun. He was In fun. a role that I don't normally get to see. John Berthenall plays somebody in a fun way. Right. But he is very much an over-the-top, kind of big, big, bigger-than-life character in the film. And that's truly how he was. Like, As a tennis instructor yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of helps So having his you. own camp and his own yeah. facilities and all that. And he basically brings Serena and Venus in with some caveats from Mr. Williams that kind of cause some interesting friction between the two. Sure. Um, I liked... Uh, I like the way they portrayed, uh, you know, Richard Williams's business sense. I mean, in a way, his having to be a little savvy and kind of having to uh, pull no punches, kind of going after what he wants and having to even sometimes pitting some people against each other just to to get a better edge on things. I mean, it was he was a shrewd, sure, but very focused and determined person. And um, I liked all those qualities of him. And I do think those all were very authentic and true in who he was. And I, I feel like they didn't really give him. I mean, but you know, it's it it is more focused on the father. And what do you expect the two ladies that are playing Venus and Serena? What do you expect them to do? Well, you expect them to get out there and run around a tennis court, and that's what they do, and they do it well. And I thought they did a good job. I will also say that the resemblance to the real life Venus and Serena, I think, in a lot of scenes, was just like (laughs) uncanny. So I thought they did a good job, but it really helped. Casting was very well. Yeah, casting was just was really good. No, I think overall. Overall, it was a very enjoyable movie. I expect it to be a lot more, a lot more uh, schmaltzy and, and mm. kind of uh, saccharine than I than it was. So I came out more happy with the film than gotcha. I expected to be. But I also do feel like you just understand when you're watching this, you are you're seeing a film that was produced by members of the Williams family, sure. and obviously it's it's really meant to be an inspirational, uh, uplifting a sport, a story of determination and courage and, and so forth. And it is. Um, I think Richard Williams is probably a little more of an interesting character than we got to see here um, to yeah. some degree. So that was my only real disappointment with it is I don't feel like we, we got to see everything. Sure. Um, would have liked to have seen that, but uh, also understand the, what the purpose of the film was. And I think it served that purpose. fine. And I think too, um, you know, we've talked about before how things can spoil movies for you. Um, you returning to the theater. This was one of the previews that I saw a bunch of times. Yeah. So I wish, and if you haven't seen the preview for it and you're interested in seeing this movie, please don't watch the preview because we often say that, but there are a lot of really crucial like moments and lines that Will Smith, unfortunately delivers in the trailer that I mm-hmm. wish I hadn't known he was yeah. going to say some of the same because they're really good lines and really clever script. But just, you know, it was weakened. And you're like, oh, okay, here's that yeah. moment I've already seen. I, so. I, I can think of three or four yeah. lines. It's like, yeah, when he recites them in the film, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I've already heard that. It lost <laughs> right. a lot of its impact. Sure. It would have been really great to have heard that, like, for the first time. Sure. Uh, during the scene. So I agree with you on that. Overall, King Richard, I do think it was good. Sure. I think it was a good movie. I do think Will Smith was really good in it. So I, I hope he gets some some attention for that. And uh, overall, casting was really great in the film. Um, Told a great story. I thought, you know, if you don't know the Williams family, then this will be very interesting. I think people will get a lot out of it. If you do, uh, you're probably going to feel like it's a very summarized, simplified version of the of the story um, with all the good parts left in, like all the nice parts left sure. in. And uh, so it just may, your, your mileage may vary a little bit based on that. But overall, I think it's a good watch. It is on HBO Max. 
as well as in movie theaters. So you have your kind of choices of how you may choose to watch it. I don't know how long it's on HBO Max. I think those are kind of limited engagements. So I believe just, you're correct. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's like in perpetuity. I oh, think no. they're there for like no. 30 days or some other time frame. Right. So I uh, definitely want to check and see what your options are. But Chris and I are both giving it a recommendation. I think it's a good film to watch. All right. Let's move on to another biographical film. Interestingly enough, hadn't planned that when we set this episode up. <laughs> but let's talk about the other film we're reviewing today, which is Netflix Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. This is the life of Boba Bobo. tells us the story of promising young theater composer Jonathan Larson, played by Andrew Garfield, on the cusp of his 30th birthday. Larson is frantically navigating love, friendship, and the pressures to create something great before time runs out. 2021 has brought us movie musicals such as In the Heights, Annette, Dear Evan Hansen, and the soon-to-be-released West Side Story from somebody called Steven Spielberg. Alan, did Tick, Tick, Boom explode on the screen for you as a movie musical or simply fizzle, perhaps due to movie musical fatigue? So I won't say explode, although exploding Tick, Tick, Boom would make (laughs) sense. Um, But it didn't fizzle either. I I do think, you know, yes, we've had a lot of musicals this year. I was an unabashed fan of In the Heights from earlier this year. I I still really, really enjoyed that film. Um, this film came close. Okay. Okay. I liked it. I think it's really good, and I can rattle off a lot of reasons why I like the film. Uh, it didn't have quite. It didn't have quite the synergy of music and 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 acting and, and production that I probably would have hoped for. It was a very muted version of a musical, which. I think it's okay. I think it's good. And, and the story, the fact that it's a true story, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, based on somebody's real life. Right. I think it was all made it very, very compelling. Um, yeah. You know what? I mean, and honestly, I, I can't really pinpoint exactly what it is that kept me from loving this film, but I will say I liked it quite a lot. Okay. Um, mainly, I will say Andrew Garfield, I thought was really good. Which he's getting a lot of buzz as well. And rightfully so. For best I've actor. never seen him act with such physical energy and, you know, expressions and, and just energy. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And it was great to see. I've always liked him as an actor. This one really like showed me what he's capable of. I've never really seen him be a spaz. And that's kind of how he was in this. A little bit of a spaz, a little bit of just this manic energy, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, um, comedy you know yep. andrew garfield's not known for a lot of comedy but he had to kind of pull off some real comic timing moments and you know it was uh 
he's very personable too mm-hmm. in the film, like somebody that you want to be friends with, but then you also realize who being friends with him could also be really bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, it's like you want to be, you're drawn to his energy, but yet you also are hesitant to get too close to him. Mm-hmm. And I think he was great in this. I thought, you know, at first, as I was listening to some of the music, not all the music worked for me, but I also understand the music is actually the songs and music from Jonathan Larson's uh, play of the same name, Tick, Tick, Boom. So again, I, I'm not going to fault the film for saying, oh, I didn't like the music, because I mean, they're using the songs and music that was originally in, this, in the stage play, and I'm glad they did. I mean, they they pretty much kept all that intact. Um, and uh, yes, I did... I did enjoy this film. Uh, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Um, the last thing I'll say before I kick it over to you, sure. which I thought was nice about the film, is it, it was a nice surprise. I went into this film completely expecting the film to be about him writing Rent. And the fact that it wasn't was nice. <laughs> because it actually is like, it, even the film, if you go in with that mentality, for the first 30 minutes, you totally think, oh, this play he is working on is going to be this. And it's like, well, you come to find out, no, that's, this is actually a much more interesting story than that, I thought. So I was happy that they kind of subverted my expectations of what I thought this film was going to be. And it turned out to be, to me, a lot more interesting because of that. So um, Chris, take it away. I've talked to her a lot here. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on this. So um, I just had talked about a trailer in the previous review trailer of King Richard. I'd seen this trailer. I knew we haven't even brought up the fact that this was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, True. who was in, in the Heights and wrote the original well, wrote, play. Wrote the original play right. for in the Heights was obviously a fan of Jonathan Larson. Yes. And I think was inspired by Jonathan Larson and yes. rent very much had an impact on his career. Right. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of interesting there. So, you know, first time director, he's, you know, been in, involved with other movies and stuff, but this is the first time he'd actually directed a film. Um, I, my, my expectations were high. And, um, one of the things that I remember from the trailer was they showed a clip of one of the musical numbers, uh, Sunday, Mm -hmm. and it had some kind of whimsy, kind of like Michelle Gondry ish Mm -hmm. type stuff going on that in combination with just musical and the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda was directing it and Andrew Garfield was starring. I was like, man, this is going to be my number one film of the year. Absolute. No doubt. Okay, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, that said, I think it was, you know, a lot of it comes from expectations, but then there's something else that I wonder if it's a problem with the script. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just first time direction from Lynn Manuel, which he did an okay job, mm-hmm. but I'll say what my, my biggest issue with the sure. film was. And it actually sounds like it might have been a little bit of a positive for you. Okay. But going in, they jump a couple of different like time frames, or they have like the framing device is like a play within a movie telling the story of somebody writing a play with opening titles that mention another play, that yeah. being Rent. And it all kind of got a little jumbled for me. Sure. And a kind of frustrating. Okay. Um, there's some scenes towards the end of the movie where there's a performance going on of Tick, Tick, Boom with Jonathan Larson singing stuff. And there are people out in the audience that I thought were dead (laughs) or supposed to have died. Um, And because there's some storylines with some characters and they're struggling with some things. And I was like, wait, what? And now granted, maybe they were really had passed away and he was just seeing images of them watching him perform or something. And it suffice it to say, just kind of the jumping around nature Mm -hmm. 
kind yeah. of messed me up a little bit. No, I, I will admit the way it's framed and the way, especially in the opening, you know, the beginning, yes, is very jarring and very kind of hard to follow where things are. I kind of just turned off at that point and just said, <laughs> all right, just, just feed it to me. I'll sure. figure it out later. By later in the film, you start to kind of realize, oh, I get what's going on now. And then by the end, I think it's all kind of buttoned up and a little more clarified. But yeah, it's a little disjointed. I, I, I that didn't work as well for me either. Oh, okay. It's more of just the overall premise of that, what story I'm hearing and finding out that that was a little, uh, I was a little off on what, what I was expecting to hear story-wise. And it was actually intending to tell me something different was what I thought found really interesting and challenging. But I will admit the framing and the, the juxtaposition of the kind of different times that we're following, it did make it a little challenging at, at the beginning. Yeah. And I, I'll say, so didn't, didn't make me hate the film. I still like the film. There are many yeah. elements about it I like, but I found that that's something that kind of just held me back. Well, it was just simple, yeah. like the story arc and the jumping back and forth, which usually I'm fine with. But I think maybe the problem that I did go into this knowing, which you did too, that I guess most people do if they have any interest in watching the movie, you know that this guy eventually wrote Rent. Yes. And they even mentioned that through some titles on the screen at the first. So you're like, okay. And then that kind of sets you up for, okay, the play they're going to be showing him working on his rent. And it's like, nope, it's this other mm. play. And you're like, okay, but it's called superbia. But then mm. in addition to that, you're watching him perform tick, tick, <laughs> boom. And it just, and maybe if I knew, maybe if I was a Jonathan Larson super fan, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, I would already know like timeline, yeah. all these different plays. And it would make sense. I think to that's me. a little bit of it because I mean, if you really kind of sit back after you're done watching it and you kind of say, all right, look, we're watching a state. We're watching a filmed version and a stage play of Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tick Boom is about Jonathan Larson trying to write um, Superbia and failing, and what that did for the rest of his career. Right. And that's what the story is. Once you kind of understand that framing, you're like, oh yeah, I get it now. <laughs> I got so you're that first half of the film. It's like, it's huh? kind of what? all over the place trying to right. figure that out. You commented too about some of the more inventive moments of whimsy in the film and like the Sunday. Uh, morning sequence. Right. Um, that I had that as a negative that I felt like it, it didn't commit itself to a, a production style as much, you know, for the most part, it's a fairly uninventive storytelling. They have moments where they're like, Oh yes, let's go and let it, let's, let's it have some flourishes right. here. And let's be a little creative with how we tell the story. There were moments, the Sunday sequence, there's a sequence with, um, um, come to your senses. Mm -hmm. It kind of has a little bit of some inventiveness to it. Cutting back and forth yeah, between, two, and forth different between two different lead, lead singers. Sing, right. Um, so there's a couple moments that were like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then there's a fun sequence of he and his roommate talking about moving into a new, a new place. And yes. Just the way it was shot and edited was a little more fun and dynamic. But the most part, the rest of it was fairly straightforward and just, you know, so it was a, you know, I, I don't want to give it a negative and say it wasn't creative enough. It's just, if you're going to tease and tease some visual flourishes and some creativity in it, it just felt like it, the tone was a little off at times. It's like, sometimes it wanted to go that direction. Sometimes it didn't. And I would have preferred kind of sticking with one or the other. Right. And I think that's, that was my thing. Um, starting off the film because I'd seen some things that with Sunday, I was expecting it to have kind of this whimsical thing yeah, throughout all the way through and it didn't, but, um, so I was okay with that. And then when Sunday happened, everything after that, I was like, wait, no more, no more whimsy. We're no more, one no and more done. Fun, interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, you know, you called out, we've both talked about Sunday. There was come to your senses. 
then there was one, you know, I'll call out two other numbers because I thought they were really good and kind of brought well, me back and got me engaged. Yeah. One's the one you probably heard me like humming and singing around the office because it gets in your head and will not leave is uh, Boho Days. Yep. Um, that's the one he's like having a party at his apartment and friends are there and he kind of starts doing this seemingly improv number mm-hmm. and his friends like contribute shouting different things. I really liked that. And I thought it was catchy and shot, you know, fun, but it's, and it was comedic too, yes. which is, you know, Andrew Garfield. Do. Oh, pause. I had no idea Andrew Garfield could sing. Yeah. Supposedly so, he worked for a couple of years, like, okay. Practice learning to sing for this role. So. And I, I, he blew me out of the water. So yeah, just really seeing good. him sing as well as he did, I was like, wow, he, he can sing. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, and then I'll say one of the ones that it's kind of short and it actually didn't throw me out because I've, given a little bit of a negative about how they were cutting back and forth in timelines and it confused me. But uh, the song therapy where they cut and this tick, tick boom on stage and he's kind of making comments about a relationship that's not going well. And, and they cut back to the different time frame. but that one really worked, I guess, within yeah. the context of the song. And I really thought that was, Oh, it was funny. awesome. It yeah. was great. That's actually the song I've actually been listening to ah. the, original recording of that song oh, soundtrack okay. and uh yeah it's a fun it's a fun and yeah the way they cut it and kind of going back and forth and just garfield and then vanessa huggins playing his kind of co-lead on stage both of them kind of playing off each other was really fun in that in that performance yeah. so it was a great great show yeah no i i it's a very good movie I, I do think, you know, again, I hate even calling Lin-Manuel Miranda a first-time director because, I mean, <laughs> he's been involved with so many other things and sure. productions. But first time making a film, thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. He got a really great performance out of Andrew Garfield. And if he's responsible for helping make that happen, he absolutely nailed it. And um, and I think it did. It was a great love letter to Jonathan Larson and yes. the kind of the, the creative person he was. And, but um, at the same time, not... Not being a puff piece, I and mean, kind of going no, back to my King I was Richard, about to say. he he wasn't shying away from the things that also made Jonathan Larson difficult and challenging, and maybe maybe held himself back from success in many times. So uh, there was not shying away from that. No, and that, that's one thing I really appreciated about this is that they showed that you know he had trouble paying rent because he wasn't very focused and yeah. lost a lot of roommates because of that. Yeah, he has a girlfriend that he's having problems with because he does love her, does pay attention to her, but also is so distracted by other things, musicals being the thing and writing that and not giving her his undivided attention. So yeah, I thought they did a really good job of pointing out, Hey, this dude is human and he has these flaws. Yeah. So no, I really liked it. I liked it more as I got deeper into the film. Hmm. It took me a while at the beginning, I think because of some of the framing uh, confusion and things you mentioned as first. But as the film progressed, it, it reeled me in more. Um, I did not know some of the more specifics about the the rest of the, uh, Jonathan Larson's short life. Mm. And that kind of hit an emotional punch, I think, at the end of the film. Kind of when you start to realize the story you've just gone through, this whole idea of him uh, rushing against the clock. Mm-hmm. And then you find out clock for him was actually pretty short. Yeah. And that's, I think it's one of those things when I got to the end of the film, I respected the rest of the film a lot more gotcha. than I did maybe watching through it at the beginning. So gotcha. uh, if that makes any sense there, uh, overall, it's very good. I still, you know, if you're, if you're talking 2021 musicals, <laughs> I still liked in the Heights better. It just worked for me as a musical better. I just think it embraced the music so much more and visually was a lot more interesting to me. Um, 
Annette <laughs> was a very unique you one. You can check out our review on Annette. Yeah, <laughs> Annette was a more interesting, absolutely a more creative and inventive Had no idea where it was going. Yeah. <laughs> this sure. one's kind of uh, somewhere in that middle ground. It was like, it, it's good. It's really good. It's enjoyable. Um, but if anything, hey, if Lin-Manuel Miranda wants to keep directing films, and if this is his first one. Have at it. Have at it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the future ones. It, like Judith Light said. Can't wait to see your next one. <laughs> so, how's that? That's that's well put. Okay, good. Anything else on this film, Chris? Um, no, no. I think we right. I think we got it. Well, that is Tick Tick Boom. That is on Netflix. So if you are a Netflix subscriber, it is available for you right now. Chris and I are both recommending it as well and saying we had a good time with it. A few misgivings, a few faults we found, but overall, still a worthwhile piece of entertainment for a couple of hours. So. Okay, Chris, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some movie news items to discuss. Me talking about some upcoming movies in the next few weeks and you uh, engaging with us on a news item as well. And then we'll uh, wrap up the show with our recommendations. So you're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan and Chris here talking. We just finished up with two reviews of films that both got positive recommendations from us. Tick, Tick, Boom, and King Charles. No, King Richard. Richard. He would wrong. be very upset that you didn't get his name right. <laughs> King Charles. That's Charles Barkley, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. King, King Richard. There Sorry. My bad. Uh, both positive recommendations. One's uh, King, King uh, Richard's available on HBO Max and in theaters. And then Tick, Tick, Boom is only on Netflix. Okay. So, Chris, we do have a couple news items. I'm going to go first just because mine's the most immediate time-wise, okay? Um, you mentioned at the onset of the show that we're kind of in that flurry of season now where there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Right. And you're right. There is a lot of good stuff coming out, but I need you to help me cut through the chaff and let's find the best things to watch over the next few weeks. I'm talking about the month of December. Okay. We're reviewing this on December 3rd. So I don't know when you're listening to this a few days later, um, possibly, but the month of December, there's a lot of big releases coming out. Absolutely. I'd like to hit some of those big ones with you, and I want you to listen to all these choices. And I need you to tell me which one you are the most excited about. Mm. But also, if it, there's a different choice on which one you think may be the best of the films that we're talking about. Interesting. Okay. okay. Which one you're the most excited about. And but also, one? is that going to be the best one, or do you think there's another one that may be the best of these coming out? Okay. There's just some predictions. Sure. Nobody's holding you to anything here. Okay. And I can already tell you, I know the answer to some of these, but I'm still going to throw them out there because they are listed as the the big releases for December. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Here we go. We have a film coming out, Mr. Matthew Vaughn, directing with Ray Fiennes in the lead. It's The Kingsman. It is the sequel to The Kingsman duo of films. This will be the third in the series. Chris is already shaking his head, I assume. No interest. <laughs> and you don't think it's going to be good. I would be shocked. If it was any good, okay, I would really be shocked. Right. Um, I saw the first Kingsman film and hated it. Wow. Um, never saw the second one. 
I feel like I have seen this third installment because the trailers like, are all the trailers. The it's just they even put a red band trailer yeah. in front of one movie that I went to go see. And it just oh, I am so sick of hearing about this movie. Okay. And I like Ray Fiennes. Um, and, you know, usually the kind of it's not the guy who directed it because um, you mentioned that it's not a Guy Ritchie film. It's the other no, it's Matthew, Matthew Vaughn. Vaughn. Mm. But, you know, it has that kind of Guy Ritchie like Quick cutting energy, action like, and, the, yeah. and the kind of humor and, you right. know, and the violence, you know, the hyper stylized violence. I, maybe I'm just too old, <laughs> which could be, yeah. um, you know, the, that day for those type of films for me to appreciate them has maybe passed. Okay. Um, but no, I could not have less interest in seeing that film. Okay. Now, will it do well? You know, hard to say. I don't think it's going to have the audience that like a John Wick or something mm-hmm. would, or yeah, or another movie that you're probably going to mention <laughs> that's an action film. So I feel like it'll kind of die on the vine, but who knows? I have no interest. All right. Well, that's the King's Man. Yeah, you can't get out of that. December. Come on. What's yeah. your, what's your take on Kingsman? Oh, I have no take. I okay. actually, I, I moderately enjoyed the first Kingsman Ugh. movie. I never saw the second never one. Never saw the second one. No. Ugh. So I didn't hate the Kingsman movie. So, okay. Um, all right. A journal for Jordan. You familiar with this? No. Okay. So just a journal for Jordan starring uh, Michael B. Jordan. I've heard of him. Yep. Directed by Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington directs his family in war drama based on the true story of Sergeant Charles Monroe King, who deployed to Iraq with his fi- while his fi- fiance and newborn son were still stateside. So mm-hmm. I take it back. Um, I have seen a trailer for this. Yeah. Um, it came across very much as like a Hallmark movie. Yes, it did. Um, don't think somehow I missed that Denzel Washington was the director. Yes. Um, I think I totally blanked on that, but I did. Re- of course, I saw Michael B. Jordan. Um, you know, it could be good. You know, I, I hope there's probably, I, I trust Michael B. Jordan. He's a great actor. He usually gets involved with projects that I have liked. I can't think of one off the top of my head that I haven't liked. And Denzel Washington, you know, it's Denzel Washington. So, um, but, you know, here's an example of me. If I were to see, I'm going in with extremely low expectations. So that could be, that could be a good thing. Well, um, I, uh, I think the trailer for this is horrible. Okay. I think it made it look like a really, really, really bad movie. Okay. Um, but I'm also wondering if it's just a really bad trailer and if Denzel <laughs> sure. Washington direct, James Washington directed fences back okay. in 2016, which I, I thought was good. I thought it was, I mean, granted it was a very kind of unique film and that it was basically a stage play put into a film sure. shot a lot like a stage play, but I still thought it was good from a director standpoint. So I'm curious and I agree with you, Michael B. Jordan. I like and most everything I've seen. Uh, I'd hate to think the two of them got together and made a, a bad, film. bad film. But um, the trailer does not do justice for that. I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't really make me want to sell, see it for sure. Yeah. Film no, I agree. Okay. So um, you're kind of 0 for 2 for me right now. I know. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I, I positioned these the <laughs> okay. list this way. Got you. Number three, West Side Story by Mr. Mr. Steven Spielberg. Right. Let me go ahead and throw out as a caveat because you and I both are, uh, we, we use Letterbox as our service to log mail movies. So that means we see ratings from other people we, we follow in reviews. Um, they're pretty darn good. So yes. does that change your perception of this film at all? Um, we were going to see it anyway. Yeah. You and I were going to, we'll review it here on the show mm-hmm. because it is Steven Spielberg and we knew it was going to come out around Oscar season, but sure enough, we're recording this on the third. It comes out on the 10th. 
Um, we have not seen a, a sneak preview showing of it. Um, but so we were going to see it anyway. Now I am less dreading yeah. seeing it um, because you know, the general buzz from some people I've been listening to are like, why, why, why are we redoing this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. Cool. But like, why, why are we, you know, if you like West side story, go see the movie. We already have of it because this is set. Like the trailers will show you it's set in the same time period. Same so time you're like, period, same, why, yeah. you know, why? But like you're saying, I have seen a lot of the positive buzz. So it makes me think, well, oh, okay. You know, so we'll, we'll see. Now, I, my, my anticipation has raised. Yes. Because of starting to hear some early buzz that it's really, I mean, not just it's a good movie. It's like, it's a, one of the best films of this year. Well, and right. Is what I've been seeing people say. I'm kind of shocked. The other thing that West Side Story has against it for me is, you know, I I, I like some musicals. Um, I've never been a fan of the the music from this movie. Mm -hmm. And actually it's kind of like a, (sighs) (laughs) to me, it's kind of like, you know, even if at one time in my life, which I don't think I ever did, I liked the song Freebird. Just the fact that it's always shouted at concerts kind of as a joke. Yeah. And um, I don't like that song. And now I definitely wouldn't like it just because it's it's kind of taken. It's a cliche. And like the songs from West Side Story, like, you know, Maria, Maria, and all, you mm. know, it's just they're kind of jokes to me. And Wait, so, just so we're just for clarification. So Freebird is not in West Side Story, right? It is not. Okay. No, but I was saying that I, idea I, was of say, like, I don't remember that. A song no, okay, that no, it's you. not from a musical, <laughs> but just I was trying to think off like the songs that would make that, for a much more interesting would. different film. It would. Uh, yeah. Um I don't think he he's including it in this version either. Yeah. Um but no, just something about like the songs to me are kind of punchlines yeah. in and among themselves. And well, so the film's been been around for a long time. Sure. And it's, you know, it's it is kind of a standard staple that, you know, most people think of. It was an interesting choice to redo, but it sounds like it's sounding like Spielberg might be onto something as far as a reason to do it. And maybe Maybe there is a reason ultimately that now is the right time to remake it. I don't know. And but. I'm, you know, I alluded in my intro to Tick, Tick, Boom, kind of, I guess, tipping my hand. I'm a little fatigued mm. at this point musicals. of yeah. music, of movie musicals. Um, uh, yeah. And so this one, which is one I have actually already seen, I fell asleep during a high school English class mm. and then had problems during the exam because I couldn't compare and contrast Romeo and Juliet to West Side Story. Um, yeah, I know it's a sad story, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so I've already seen, I've already know the story. I've already seen the previous film and was, you know, like, no, it's just, it's, it's got a lot against it, but because of the buzz, I am now less dreading it. Okay. So. Good. Well, I'm, I'm anticipating this film now. Gotcha. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Christmas day, I think is when it comes out officially. Well, or uh, maybe sooner. It, yeah. It's supposed to come out the, t- well, it's going to be released the 10th, but oh. wide release, yeah, it may not actually come to oh, okay. right. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're but right. Uh, yeah, I think the 10th is general release, so we'll see if it makes it to our town or not. But yeah. No, you're right. December 10th. Okay, no, it'll be wide. It'll be wide on December oh, 10th. I would assume. Okay. All right. Speaking of films that eh, may, may or may not go wide, I don't know. Um, little, little film you may have heard of. Uh, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. No Way Home. The third in this series of films with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Um, don't need to go into a lot of details on it. Just tell me <laughs> interested at this point, anticipating or couldn't care less. And do you have any prediction that you think it's going to be any good? I, okay. So as far as anticipating it, looking forward to it, this is, I don't remember the last time I was looking forward to a Marvel film. Hmm. Oh, wow. 
So you are anticipating this. I am looking forward okay. to it. I wish I didn't know as much as I think I know well, <laughs> about I know. it. Um, right. And I, I don't know. But the things that I have seen, I really liked, which was not a Marvel film, technically, um, Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, yes. I really liked that animated film. Good. Um, and I knew nothing about it really going in. I thought it was going to be a piece of garbage because <laughs> I was like, why are they making an mm-hmm. anime? For like, who cares? Just do a Marvel movie. If you're going to do a Marvel. And I went and saw it and my mind was blown. I thought it was really good. I didn't know a lot of multiverse stuff. Like I didn't thought it was awesome. Um, so from what I have heard, I'm excited to see this Spider-Man movie just because it seems like it's going to be different. It's, I, I don't know. I, I, I am excited, but I wish I kind of didn't know some of the things. Well, and I, I, I will tell you this. I am anticipating the film. It'll probably <laughs> be the one I see the soonest after its opening date. Oh, yeah, because I don't want to know anything about right. it other than what I already know. But I'm also expecting it to be a mess. That's just my prediction, and I'd like to be wrong. So I'd rather go in with a prediction that it's going to be just junk, uh, the, just just too much trying to do, try, trying to too many people, too many characters, I, too the, much activity. Yes. I'm anticipating that. I so think I'd be happy to come out of it pleasantly surprised. I think that is why. Yeah, and that, that is a fear that I have. I thought, yeah, is that it could just be too much, too yeah, over. That's my, that's my initial gut feel. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's an enjoyable experience, but I don't know. Um, but I, am the, I will probably see it the soonest after it comes out of all these films. But I am going in with lower expectations now than I probably ever have. Sure. So, um, Okay. Nightmare Alley. This is the uh, Del Toro film uh, with Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, uh, among others. Um, thoughts? Anticipation. So... I know at least one more film you're going to mention. <laughs> um, oh, whatever could that be? I have no idea. Um, but I had thought prior to you mentioning this one, I, I, I keep forgetting this one's coming out this yeah, year. Has it been delayed? Has Nightmare Alley been delayed? Was know. it supposed to come out so. last year? I no. So. Um, I knew I had known about this film, but um, I am excited. I keep forgetting it's actually coming out because I've only seen a trailer of it once and it was in the theater. And I haven't gone to seek it out online again. So that means I haven't, and I kind of don't remember a lot from it in a way, the trailer. So it was kind of like a teaser mm-hmm. type thing. I didn't see it in the movie theater though. Um, no, I'm, I would probably say this is my, that's, I'll let that slip up above uh, Spider-Man, which is good. Cause that's a sequel. <laughs> um, that's probably one of my most anticipated films. Um, just because the actors, how it looks, Guillermo del Toro, yeah. Well, just overall, everything I've seen production-wise on this is just right up my alley. I love the tone that I'm seeing with the film so far. I'm loving the setting, the whole carnival sideshow. Yeah. But dark and it just, yeah, it's, it's working for me so far. I, I hope it holds up. Me too. And um, so I'm anxious to see it. I am looking forward to that one. Um, okay, the last one, The Matrix Resurrections. Ah, uh, Coming yes. both to theaters and HBO Max later in uh, December. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten that it was also coming to HBO Max. December 22nd. Um, Yeah. And it is HBO Max in simultaneous day and date release with the theater. Wow. Yeah. That's, I got theaters. I mean, I know they've been hating a lot of things doing that, but they got to really hate the fact that that's simultaneous. I mean, I know Dune was too, so that was a big letdown. I know, but yeah, the Matrix, yeah. Imagine the theaters would be a lot happier if they. Could I'm actually get all surprised the that the people it. Warner Brothers 
didn't get strong armed into pushing it. Cause after, if I'm not wrong, if I think I'm right, starting in 2022, that whole release thing with Warner brothers and HBO is dissolved. Right. Yeah. But this is still 2021. I know. I know. But I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying is I'm surprised they didn't push it to 2022. Oh, yeah, no, it's, because, it's, uh, but no, I think it's they got locked in, committed to get it out. And <sighs> this may be the last hurrah of the HBO max premiering brand new Warner brothers films. Got you. Right. Uh, day and date release should sure. be, but, uh, the matrix resurrections. Where are you with this, Chris? I'm not excited. No. Um, yeah, I, I don't care. Um, I liked, I, I wasn't on board. I liked the first Matrix. Yes. Okay. I thought it was interesting. I thought they were like plot holes and stuff, but it was inter- It was eye candy and it was innovative. Mm-hmm. Second, and then it just slid from there. Yeah. And like most people, you know, so you're, the third film was like unwatchable. Yeah. So well, I kind of feel like it's a cash grab. Um, I kind of, yeah. but the thing that, the thing that the th- one thing that's working in its favor is I really like Keanu Reeves, which I've all, you know, his, just his public persona seems like he's a nice mm. guy. Mm. He did the new, the Bill and Ted movie for no other apparent reason than he thought it would be fun. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, he just seems to be kind of an interesting fellow, a good guy. I've seen the John Wick movies and, you know, so I, I don't know, I guess Keanu Reeves makes me slightly interested, but I'll, I'll say this. It, it's a good thing. It's on HBO max mm. because I, I am, I am probably going to watch it that way. Cause I just don't yeah. care enough to plot I, down the money to go see it. I love the first matrix movie as one of my top 30 films. Wow. Um, okay. still love it. I think it was great. I think it was an amazing achievement. Yeah. The second and third film were diminishing returns for me to the point of the third film. I was just so fed up and just didn't want to even <laughs> revisit the matrix world. For right. a while, uh, I am concerned about it being a cash grab. I'm concerned about it still trying to build off the mythology of all three films, which is going to really hurt my brain and make me not be interested. But there's a chance they could maybe realize the second, third ones went off the rails a bit, and maybe this is a true, more relevant sequel to the first one. I don't know. I, there's so many directions this could go. I'm curious about the film. By all means, I will see it pretty early on after it comes out. It may be an HBO Max view for me as well. But I, it's, it's, got the, it's the one I think has got the most potential to surprise me of all the films we've mentioned so far. True. Um, we'll just see. Well, <laughs> I would say it has the most potential to surprise me. I would agree with that. However, my opening statement about the Kingsman movie if that movie was actually good, that, now, would, sur- that would surprise me okay. more than The Matrix right. being good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah. And, you know, if it is, here's an idea. Mm-hmm. If this movie, Resurrection, is that Matrix Resurrections? Resurrections. If it is solely to reclaim the goodwill that they lost with the second and third movie, but it is a firm ending and they will not make any more Matrix oh, movies, you, that would be amazing. You and you're, no, I know it's not. But that, I would be like, okay, cool. They had a really good idea. They're like, okay, we went off the rails. Let's put a good ending to this stuff and then finish well, it. I mean, but that I, would could, be awesome. I say that, but I could also argue that, you know, the first Matrix movie, you could argue whether it ended as a setup for future movies or if it ended with its own ending. I personally think it ended with its own ending. That Yes, left it open-ended of where it could go from there, but it was a very good ending. Right. Ideally, you do the same with this film. It ends, 
But if the if it's good film and people love it and they want more of it, it is a springboard for maybe future stories. I don't have a problem with that. Sure. It's just, it's got to be warranted and not just going after the money. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the six films I wanted to bring up. Sounds like in terms of anticipation for you, um, Nightmare Alley yeah. might be one. Spider-Man No Way Home is heavily which, anticipated. Which that's the first Marvel movie I've anticipated yeah. in okay. a long time. Um, but then outside of that, the other four, not so much. If I had to put a third one on that list for you, from what I heard, maybe West Side Story of the six. Right. And then maybe The Matrix. Sure. But then we got A General for Jordan, which again, I think the trailer just really hurts that one. And then The Kingsman following up the rear. All right. I would rather watch Journal for Jordan three times than ever, ever have to watch uh, The there Kingsman. You, there you hear it right there, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. If The Kingsman turns out to be Oscar-worthy <sighs> film and Chris is now going to have to watch another film three times instead of watching it. Oh, so, man. Right. Okay, that news item probably took longer than I, than I wanted, but uh, it's good. It's some good stuff. A lot of good things happening in December or interesting films anyway for that. Let me turn it over to you, Chris. What what news item do you have to share with us today? So, Martin Scorsese, you've heard of him. I am aware of him. Yeah. He is going to make a musical biopic. Now, not just he's done some musical documentaries. Yes. He did The Last Waltz. He did one with Bob Dylan. He did one about George Harrison. No, this is actually like a narrative mm. musical film. So, a musical okay. biopic. Um, he is reteaming with Jonah Hill, who he worked with in High Wolf of Wall Wolf Street. Of Wall Street. So, you know, okay, interesting. Now, who's the musical biopic going to be about? Wait, is Jonah Hill playing this person? Oh, man. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Let me figure out who this is then. Oh, so you haven't heard. You oh, haven't no. Heard. Oh, I know nothing awesome. about this. Yes, please tell me. Who's so Jonah Hill is actually playing the, the, the actual musical character in this film. Yes. This is fun. Roy, I thought you'd probably know. No, Roy Orbison. No. Mm. That would have been a good guess. <laughs> I mean, bad. come on. That would, have, that would have been okay. Okay, let me, let me broaden it for you. Unless you have another guess. No, let I have broaden nothing. It. Okay, nothing. let me broaden it for you. He is playing a central figure in this band. Oh, it's a band. Yep. But it's a central person in the band. Oh, yeah. Blues Traveler. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How did you know that? I'm just going to say he's doing an audio, a musical biopic about Blues He Traveler. saw Jonah Hill playing the harmonica. He's like, you know what? No. No, I have no idea. That would be is. amazing. No, um, Jonah Hill is going to be portraying Jerry Garcia, and they are doing a movie of the Grateful Dead. Oh, now, wow. Time frame has not been, they don't know when they're going to start production, but Jerry uh-huh. Garcia's like estate has signed on as executive producer. I think like his daughter, all the members of the Grateful Dead have signed on as executive producers as well. Um, Martin Scorsese has in the past, he executive produced a documentary that was like a six hour documentary series that I actually recommended on the show Mm -hmm. came out in like 2017, but it was very exhaustive. So he seems to be kind of a fan. People think that it will probably be like their early days, Mm -hmm. like out in California until they hit a certain point. It definitely wouldn't do their entire career. At least people don't think so. Um, But yeah, Jonah Hill is going to be playing Jerry Garcia. Wow. No, I mean, I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah. Let's do I, it. I'm very curious. That I'm a fan of the Grateful Dead anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested to see a narrative film about just to have me learn some things that maybe I didn't know. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, you, I trust the guy. So, and Jonah Hill, 
I, I will yeah. be, I, you know, I think he's good. I think he can be good, but him playing like a real life well, person is going to be very a real odd. Life person singing and playing instruments or whatever. He may yeah, do I don't even that. know. Don't Maybe know. he can sing like Andrew Garfield. I, I have know. no idea. Well, even if, I mean, you know, most of the time the actors aren't actually singing. You're getting dubbed in voices on True. things, but it would be pretty cool if it yeah. was Jonah Hill actually singing and performing as Jerry Garcia. Wow. Okay. No, I would not have gone there, but that's it. Now that I hear it all, it makes perfect sense. So, this has not been announced so people don't like get all excited. But what if this is me just adding uh-huh. color commentary? What if he brought in members of kind of like, you know, the, the druggy comedy people. So he had James Franco coming in as <laughs> Bob Weir. He had um, Seth Rogen playing it. What if like <laughs> he fills out the members of the Danny Grateful McBride, Dead? Seth yes. Uh, Seth Perfect. Rogen. As one of the drum- Like what if they actually make the band some of that, which they have, they're apparently mm. good friends. They have actors. You know, they've been in mm. movies together. Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah, but it'd be. <laughs> and Franco a, but it'd has be a dramatic, dramatic chops. But it's on a dramatic his, absolutely. Film, right? It's not a and comedy. And Seth Rogen's done some some oh, drama sure. yeah, stuff. Yeah. They so could totally do it. I think that would be weird. That would be funny. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, we'll okay. we'll see. <laughs> oh wow! I'm now I'm, I'm very very pumped and excited to hear more about that. So okay, Martin Scorsese, a Grateful Dead biopic. Yes. With Jonah Hill as Jerry Garcia. You got it. Okay. <laughs> well, that's some good news. Some uh, some good discussion. No, good... no, no idea of when it's coming out because sure, we haven't yeah, start yeah. production that's yet. Fine. But yeah, I'm sorry. It just gives us more time to build up anticipation for it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, Chris. Well, we're going to end the show as we always do with you and I both giving a recommendation of a film we think is worth checking out. So again, it, it, during the pandemic, we were kind of saying the film had to be like more of an online accessible film. We've relaxed that a little bit, but I still think both the films we're going to talk about are ones you can see online. Am I yes. right in saying that for yours? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So, uh, Chris, uh, you went last on the news item. Let me go first on my recommendation, then we'll finish up with you. If that's okay. Sounds like a plan. I'm going to be recommending a film. That just got released in the last couple of weeks and is available for rental or purchase on you know Apple and Amazon and all those platforms. It's a film called The Beta Test. And uh, not the biggest name film. Uh, probably a lot of you maybe have not heard of it. But let me kind of roll backwards a little bit. If you remember the short film that got turned into a feature film mm-hmm. called Thunder Road. Um, is that right? Thunder yes. Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunder Road. Yeah. Why would I mess that up? Uh, Jim Cummings starred, directed in his own short film called Thunder Road. It made the film festival circuits and was kind of a critical darling as far as a short film goes. I love it. I think it's an excellent short film. Uh, so great. It's basically Jim Cummings by himself. Yeah. Doing a, uh, doing a, a, an, a eulogy for yeah. his mother. Yes. Who passed away as a police officer who was given the eulogy. And it's just a really... Really great short film. I love it. And uh, he made a feature film from it that I honestly never saw the feature film. I feel bad, but I kind of wanted to keep the short film as a short film in my head. I, I did see the feature. It was okay. But yeah, yeah the the just lightning in a bottle of that short. I kind of didn't want to yeah. mess that up. Right. So. But he has made a couple of films since then. Most notably, we actually reviewed the last one he did, which was, I'm going to get the name of the film wrong again, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Okay, which we both liked. Yes. I liked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was really fun. Yeah. So he has made another film. He is the writer-director, along with um, another writer, uh, P.G. McCabe, 
uh, also credited as writing and directing. So they actually worked on this collaboratively called The Beta Test. And the storyline for this is a married Hollywood agent receives a mysterious letter for an anonymous sexual encounter and becomes ensnared in a sinister world of lying, infidelity, and digital data. A couple things I enjoyed about this film. Um, the tone is kind of mixed. You know, you could kind of see it as a, in some parts it's a thriller, some parts it has some comedy, the uh, dark comedy. It's a lot of satire mixed in as well. It goes after the satire of the um, celebrity, you know, film business. It goes after the satire of the online media world, privacy and security in a digital world. I mean, it's just got all that mixed in together. And it is Jim Cummings starring in the in the lead role and kind of doing his same Jim Cummings type <laughs> character, very sure. manic, very kind of you love to see this guy just get overworked and stressed and a- anxious about the situations he's in. And he played it to a T with this one for sure. Um, I'll admit, I wish the ending held up a little better than it did. It did not end quite like I'd hoped it would, or at least it didn't surprise me as much with the ending as, it, as I thought it would. But it's still a worthwhile watch, if especially if you enjoy some dark comedy, some dark satirical, especially talking about the Hollywood and talking about, you know, he actually is an agent, a Hollywood agent, and there's a lot have to do with his role in that in that job. Uh, there's a little bit to do about relationships and couples and truth and honesty with one another. So it's some interesting topics he's touching on. I don't know if any one topic really got the full attention it needed. It felt like it was kind of all over the place and where it wanted to go. But it was enough for me to say I enjoy the experience as a whole even if I kind of wish it had ended a little differently than it did. Um, But with that, the beta test, Chris, I know you saw this as well. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you were maybe as high on it as I was. I think we were on the same page. Yeah, Yeah, it was a really interesting idea, just kind of the behind the scenes about talent agents in Hollywood and kind of reminds you of the player in some instances. Yeah, very much. If If you recall that film, uh, that's a very apt comparison, I think, there for sure. So, so it had a lot going for it. Kind of, yeah, in the third act, it kind of got a little bumpy for me. But um, still, you know, it's so much of an independent film with Jim Cummings, you know, writing, directing, and starring, you know. So, yeah, I, I would recommend it for people that are a fan of his work. and um, Or just, you know, it is, it is, or if you like dark comedy, because, yeah, it does get pretty dark. It's pretty dark. And even if you get to the first scene of the film, it just... Hang with it. You may be watching, think you're watching a completely different film than what you're getting ready to watch. It does kind of start off in a very, very dark tone and very kind of uh, not what you may expect from this film. Uh, It does explore some more interesting elements of that, that story. Yeah. As I think about it more, the overall total plot, maybe not the most cohesive either for me, as far as motivations for characters, but I enjoyed watching this film mainly because I really like Jim Cummings. I enjoy his character in this film. There was some interesting choices on tone and style. Um, so overall, I had a really good time with it. But um, it may not be for everybody, but it's my recommendation for today. And that's widely available on like yeah, iTunes? Rental or... and, and purchase. It's not a, on a free streaming service gotcha. anywhere. It is truly like rent it for $4 or $5 from uh, Amazon or Apple TV or so forth. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, Chris, what's your recommendation for us today? So I'm going to recommend a film that uh, came out in 2020, but I think is more being pushed as like a 2021 release. It's called uh, Writers of Justice. It is a foreign film. 
Uh, it stars Mads Mikkelsen, which My is one of the reasons. Mads. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> which is one of the reasons Mikkelsen. I was interested in it. Yeah. Um, I'll read you the plot description here. Marcus, who is played by Mads Mikkelsen, a deployed military man has to go home to his teenage daughter, Matilda, when his wife dies in a tragic train accident. It seems to be plain bad luck, but it turns out that it might have been a carefully orchestrated assassination, hmm. which his wife ended up being a random casualty of. So, um, if you can imagine a mashup between something like the Taken movie starring Liam Neeson and characters from the X-Files who played the lone gunman hmm. and put them kind of together, but it's not a, it is by no means a comedy. It is a heavy drama. It does have a, you know, a couple of comedic moments in it, but overall it's kind of a heavy drama with some maybe thriller aspects or some action aspects to it. But what was surprising to me is it actually has some pretty interesting things to say about um, forgiveness and family and um, kind of uniting as a group to kind of help pull each other up. And it was surprisingly heartfelt at some moments, which is not what you would expect from this well, movie I'll, at all. I'll tell you, just the movie poster and the right. summary I've read, I thought, oh, this is Mad Mickelson's doing the Liam Neeson uh, version of all those movies he's been doing lately. Right. But you're saying there's more to it than that. There is definitely more to it, okay. more, more to it than that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I, I saw it, we got, we get critic screeners, it's towards yeah. the end of the year. This is one that came out as a foreign film, so I was like, okay. I haven't seen a lot of foreign films, so let me make sure I can, you know, see some. And I went into this because of Mad Mickelson, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised with how much I ended up liking wow. it. Okay. So the um a lot of Oscars doesn't do this, but Golden Globes does. Um, an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. The ensemble cast in this is pretty, pretty stellar. Wow, great. So, okay, so Mads is continuing the trend of films that I like <laughs> and want to see more of. So there you go. Good. I do really like him. I, I really enjoyed his role in uh, another round. Another round was just year. one last year. Yeah. yeah. So. And uh, we're all good stuff. So, okay. So the beta test and writers. Writers of justice. Writers which of I justice. I think that's something. Now, <laughs> granted, I have no idea what this translates to in the original. Um, I'm not sure if it's from Norway, but basically. That's what it translates to. And I think that's a terrible title. No, it's a horrible title. Writers of Justice. And I think that was the other thing I was like, oh, well, the man. movie poster with like <laughs> Mads Mickelson standing there in a very like John Wick action hose. hero looking hose. Yes. And then you've got that title. I'm like, oh yeah. Nah, I have no I'm interest. Interested. But Chris is here to say there's more to it. It's a it's a good watch. So. Yes. Yeah. Not a not a family film, but it's sure. you know, definitely a hard R. Oh, yeah. The beta test is definitely not a family film. True. Either. So True. we've just given you two recommendations that need to be watched by adults, you know. <laughs> Yes. Um, in that, in that situation. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Writers of justice. Yes. And the beta test are our recommendations for this episode. So Chris, we've covered a lot of ground here, but I'm sure people have thoughts, questions, feedback for us. How can they contact us if they'd like to engage us in dialogue in any way? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. They've mentioned it a couple of times uh, in this podcast, but we're actually both on Letterboxd as well. You can follow us on there. Sometimes we post reviews, but you can get a general idea of what we've been watching. Do us a favor. If you like this show, which we hope you do, consider giving us a star rating or write a review, share with some friends in places like we're hosted on iTunes. We're also on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. 
We are also on part of the Mesh Network, and I'll say that if you want to get some movie recommendations of films to watch over the you know coming holidays, we were on an episode of Entrepreneurship Exchange, which normally talks about small business and entrepreneurship ideas, but they do a once a year episode where they invite us on just to talk about business lessons learned from the movies. And Alan and I both shared some movie recommendations on there. So you might consider giving that show a try. Yeah, good. That was a nice plug of another show on the there network you go. there. I appreciate that, Chris. All right. So a lot of ways to contact us, a lot of ways to get involved in discussion. But otherwise, if we don't hear from you in the meantime, we will definitely talk to you at our next episode, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. We will be reviewing some more films. We've got a lot of new films, as we already talked about, coming out in December. We'll have our, our slate full of things to talk about, I'm sure. So stay tuned as we announce that episode and the films we'll be reviewing there. But until then, thanks for listening, and we will talk to everybody next time. See you in the ticket line. Watch Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.